0: Good morrow to you all, you have fallen on Bard Times. Brought to you by the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society. You join me, Theo Dudridge. And me, Lynn Biles, as we bear some bardie truths. Hello and welcome to this episode of Bard Times. I am again your host, Lynn, and in light of the fact that February is Queer History Month, this episode is going to focus on queerness within Shakespeare's plays. And to discuss this, I've got the lovely Kate with me. Hello! <laughs> Kate, it's lovely to have you on. Fine. One of one of my dearest, queerest friends. Yes, yes. I am so excited <laughs> for this episode. So the first place that I'd kind of like to talk about queerness in Shakespeare is how we would go about reading queerness within Shakespeare's plays in the 21st century.
1: Yeah. For me, as a as a queer woman Mm -hmm. i
0: we probably should have
1: stated that yeah
0: i identify as she they and queer you identify as she
1: they and queer bisexual person
0: wonderful (laughs) um yes reading queerness
1: um yeah for me shakespeare's already always been inherently queer Mm. um you see it from the context of which the plays were created in and Mm. performed in only men were allowed to perform because mm-hmm. it was uncouth for women. Because then, it was bad. Mm-hmm. So there's always that idea of queerness within Shakespeare, especially within the original adaptations. Mm. But there's also that idea of gender performance mm. and how them dressing up as women adds a new level of queerness on because yeah. it's you know as the audience, oh these men are men. Mm. <laughs> oh, but they're dressed up as women. Yeah. It's kind of gender bending and interesting. Yeah.
0: And I think that's something that gets lost quite often nowadays. Mm. I mean, because obviously we have more gender equality on stage. Yeah. Having women play women gives it obviously more agency than it would have done in the context of the original performances. But that kind of aspect of gender performance is something that is so integral to the text. And Mm. when you do look at the text itself, you could kind of see how women are presented in almost, well, now what we would see in sort of a pantomime-y way. It still resonates nowadays with women. I mean, we're both actresses. We've both been on stage. I uh, wouldn't call myself that. But... I don't know. Ah. You're very talented. Oh, thank you. You're one of the so funniest. You, oh, stop it! For you, <laughs> you're one of the funniest people in taming. Thank a you. A joy to work with. Oh. A wonder to have on stage. But yeah playing female characters with Shakespeare it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like you are pantomiming does it i mean it's no, it, it feels oddly natural and actually a lot of the undercurrents of these characters and their motivations still seems so relevant and present nowadays which i mm. think makes shakespeare resonate with so many people i mean We'll get to this a little bit later, but I think that's a reason that Shakespeare does resonate with queer people, especially.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm.
0: Def-
1: As a woman performing uh, Shakespeare, mm. and especially a queer woman, mm-hmm. there is always that idea of queerness within uh, characters, mm. especially lead female characters like Kate. Yeah, or, see, I was going to say um, Kate's a big one. Rosalind in As You Like It, or mm. um, even Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. There is always that idea of queerness within Mm. these characters yeah um especially when it comes to relationships with men and their counterparts
0: i think it's really interesting the characters that you've mentioned before because they all have elements mass well traditional masculinity Mm. in air quotes because obviously kate can't be tamed she's Mm -hmm. boisterous and terrible and i love her dearly she's amazing she is rosalind spends half her time pretending to be a little boy and okay. wooing her lover in a in a magical forest which well, you know yeah, nice. as one does and then Beatrice bless her just hates men yeah <laughs> just hates men she I doesn't th- hate all men she I think hates- she resents the fact she, she likes men <laughs> yes
1: as any yeah <laughs> as any, <laughs> any
0: bisexual, bisexual woman know. does
1: mm. <laughs> uh, we're joking of course
0: you just the choice between men and women yeah, yes.
1: you choose women.
0: Yeah, <laughs> naturally as a I'm woman. I'm sorry, George. Oh. I'm our our love goes out to George. Our love goes out to George. I love him. Um, <laughs> bless him. But yeah, so it's interesting that all of these characters could be read as like implicitly queer. I remember being mm. in the taming character workshop mm. and um, Supan was like saying, "What do you think makes Kate react the way she reacts to Patrico's advances?" And I was like, "Well." being a queer person myself, that level of discomfort that comes from Kate and men, like, not Ooh. even just Petruchio, it's just any sort of suitor she yeah. fights off very viciously and gets this awful reputation of being the shrew-like character. Mm. And I think it's just the distance between her and men, is she just doesn't doesn't engage, doesn't understand yeah. and or want those advances. And yeah, so the way that I sort of played Kate was very much as a closet case lesbian. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um,
0: it was similar to being Groomio. Yes, Grumia. yeah. Groomia. Um, she is, of course... I mean, we are... Kate we and Grumio are, are going to run off to a cottage. In the sequel. In the sequel, Taming, taming two. 2. God, a tame slying. A tame slying. That's a tame slying where Max plays Kate and I play Petruchio in she... theatre soon. Yeah. But yeah, Groomia and Kate running away and living in the woods together. Yeah. But happening. For Groomia, Mm. um, where I
1: really went for characterisation for Groomia is kind of the little sister, but Mm. also this kind of she's almost she's a queer woman Mm. and she wants to be equal to men.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because you've already got that layer. Yeah. And there's
1: always, there was already that queerness within the original text with Grumio and Petruchio anyway. Mm. That kind of underlying, oh Grumio obviously knows Petruchio is a bit fruity. <laughs> which we love. Needless to say, Needless yes. Needless to say, yes. But there's always that kind of, the way they react to each other. Mm. They're always very physically mm. close yeah. to one another. And it's not yeah. even with the abuse it's just them just always having to be mm. in contact with each other it feels very Janice from and Girls yeah 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 and it's kind of but yeah I looked uh well when I was playing groomia
0: mm.
1: kind of looked at as if she wanted to be one of the lads
0: yeah I see that because obviously taking groomia from Groomio, the mm. male originally male character yeah. and then kind of not so much queering it, but playing with the gender there. Yeah, for me, Shakespeare's inherently queer. Talking of which, Shakespeare himself. Mm. That old chestnut. Oh, Shakespeare himself. I mean, it's needless to say, the man was a little, little bit fruity, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's lots of academic, actual academic debate as to Shakespeare and yeah. sexuality but you've you've got to be a a certain type of man to be that obsessed with making penis jokes well
1: yeah yeah Yeah. shakespeare well i always Mm. uh, at school was taught shakespeare was a straight man Mm. until i came to uni Mm. and then someone went uh are you sure are you sure about that read these sonnets or actually look at kind of the context there is always that kind of queerness that allude that is alluded towards Mm. shakespeare i mean it's always it's
0: almost like folklore of oh he was a gay man or he was a queer man Mm, and i think no one no one can really say because obviously we don't have shakespeare's diary we can't just flick through Mm. and find his fun gay escapades because they're they're non-existent but i mean you can look at his relationship with the earl of southampton and see like that presentation of him as well, potentially him as the fair youth in the sonnets. I mean, mm. you don't go around writing what like a hundred odd sonnets to a to a young lad if you're not at least somewhat interested, interested
1: or infatuated. Yeah, with
0: it doesn't him. have to be like. It's not even like a whole sexual thing perhaps it's like Mm, it's the eroticism well not even that it could just be desire or yeah like you can have i mean love comes in very many different forms Mm. and i mean you can have like sexual love but you can also have romantic love you Mm. can have platonic love so i think queerness obviously it doesn't stick to binaries it it's on many different levels and i think you can't really put Shakespeare in, like, a 21st century box or label. But there's a thing about Shakespeare, there's so many reasons his plays resonate with queer people, and I suppose that is something we can kind of go on to, is why does Shakespeare strike so many queer people? Because I know we've we've talked quite a bit in the past about what Shakespeare means to us as Mm. queer people.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, Mm um not just as a queer person i mean shakespeare as a as a a young teenager
0: Mm.
1: around 16 i read hamlet
0: yep so did i i know where this is going (laughs) and i
1: understood it but i also lost um i lost my dad at a young age and so i understood that anger Mm. of just not understanding yourself and being attracted to more than one gender or Mm. more than one person at a time yeah
0: and it's that confusion that i think shakespeare i mean obviously shakespeare is known for that like complex exploration of Mm. emotions and the psyche in general and i think hamlet especially is one of those plays which really does play with that idea of okay this is this is the confused mind of a teenage like guy yeah and i also i mean i read i read ham well i saw hamlet for the first time when i was about 14 which is kind of when i was struggling with my own sexuality and i kind of then didn't really think about it much and then picked it back up at a level and by then i was like i'd already had like all of my main like gay linear experiences Mm. and kind of felt quite comfortable with who i was and then it kind of made sense it was like oh okay I kind of understand why Horatio acts the way Horatio acts, and I kind of understand yeah. the way Hamlet acts that's... towards Ophelia, even though it's horrific. Oh yeah, like yeah. he completely manipulates her in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, but you can under- you can kind of get in his mind because that's what Shakespeare wants mm. you to do, and wants it's what he's showing you.
1: Well, yeah. When um, not to, <laughs> I'm just going to use an example. When yes. I uh, when I co-directed Hamlet last year, mm. this time last year. Yeah. I made it very much a kind of thing of showing that queerness mm. and kind of showing that kind of breakdown of Hamlet's own identity mm. within the monologues and the soliloquies. And I remember talking to the wonderful Lolly and mm. the wonderful Tom who played our Ophelia and our Hamlet mm-hmm. and talked to them about why Hamlet's reacting this way. And yeah. they just talk about... Of, tom came up with it like saying because he just doesn't understand himself and he doesn't Mm. understand his attraction to certain people Mm. and i thought that was really interesting and i very much understood that Mm. especially when reading it Mm. as a 16 year old girl
0: gosh yeah no it really is one of those plays that when you pick it up at that age it's just Mm. it there's a reason why it, it strikes you so like severely i remember having like in my english class there were certain people that just we really got on with hamlet and we just really got it kind of going on from i mean we've talked a little bit about different plays but Mm. in terms of queer plays there are there's quite a lot aren't there that you could kind of read i mean you've got your basic antonio's Mm. rule of thumb if there's an antonio probably a little bit fruity I mean, I remember studying Merchant of Venice at GCSE. That Antonio is like, Bassanio, can you come come and get me, even though you've just got married to your wife? Because I've kind of accidentally got myself... Uh, I've got to... I, I I own a pound of flesh to a mulling lender. Please, please don't <laughs> let me die. Bassanio, my love. Yeah. And Bassanio's like, oh, damn it, I've got to go and fix my boyfriend. Sorry, wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are loads of... I think so many examples so many examples my
1: my favorite play yeah. uh much ado, of course, love it is I like to think the queerest play Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many examples, so you've got also another queer play which I think is queer, not a lot of people do um is Henry four part one and two mm. and the journey of Hal and Poins, yeah uh it's very homoerotic and it's very kind of oh prince hal (laughs) oh prince hal how do i i love you and like all that stuff a little chaos man (laughs) you know and just
0: let the poor man drink
1: and be merry (laughs) (laughs) well yeah exactly he didn't think he'd be king but here we are there's always that kind of homoeroticism between Mm. the two of them but um, going back to Much Ado, much I mean, it's about two bisexuals falling in love. By accident. By accident. Yeah. Because their friends force them to.
0: Who doesn't love it? No, it's one of those <laughs> plays which is an absolute joy because yeah. the amount of distaste Beatrice and Benedict have for the it's opposite too. gender. Well, yeah, they're like, merry war. Yeah, they're merry war. It's just so much fun to like mm. see them both being so staunch on the fact that they think that their gender is the best and yeah. then suddenly they're like oh oh no oh no i i i quite like my enemy oh no. <laughs> well it's not even that it's oh no my enemy quite likes me oh, oh I no like them, i like them ah bisexual ah. <laughs> panic has never been more captured rapturously yeah in much do yeah i suppose talking about gender in terms of like gender bending we've got my my favorite gals who may not even be gals uh you've got viola and you've got rosalind um also portia kind of and Mm. inogen may also come into this zone but kind of in terms of like gender performance and really playing with like romance Mm. because i mean portia is playing with the hierarchy and kind of law and inogen is a political exile yes, yes. yeah i think yes, because um, might be barking up the wrong tree it's been a long time since i've seen cymbeline of
1: her stepmother and her son yeah. clotton
0: clotton Cloth- yeah. uh go back to gender so <laughs> yes. twelfth night and as you like it very much present this gender play yes within a romantic setting which i think is really mm. interesting so you have Obviously, Rosalind is pretending to be Ganymede mm. and flirting with her love, Orlando, and Orlando being oddly down for it. He's like, yeah, this random little boy has like, gone up to me and been like, hey, so pretend that I'm your love, Rosalind. And he's like, yeah, why not? Mm. Sounds fun. Same with Orsino yeah. and Viola. Orsino just at the end when it's like, <laughs> you, you're, you're not Cesario? you're a woman and he's like okay i'm kind of down for it like (laughs) it's like you've been what he's been in your court he's been in your court for months at this point and you're just like yeah i would which is fair like it is fair but like there's got to be a level of attraction yeah
1: there has got (laughs) to be a level of attraction like you can't work that closely with someone and then suddenly go
0: oh yeah i'm I'm kind of attracted to them like there's gotta be something you were attracted to their personality before you knew their gender yeah so that's kind of i find that
1: really interesting yeah. also midsummer that's just the gayest oh queerest geez. play
0: you could adapt that and you can adapt in all of Shakespeare. so you can adapt midsummer
1: in yeah. so many ways did you ever watch the bridge theater production where they swapped um oh Titania falling in love with bottom and made it oberon fall in love with bottom and it was um It was the one with Gwendolyn Christie in it hysterical because they they Mm. go to have their night together
0: yeah um
1: and the bed gets pushed around the stage
0: yeah i've seen clips yeah yeah yeah, um, the one
1: beyonce's love on top
0: plays and
1: i'm like and it makes sense because it's with bottom you know oh jesus and as a as a director as a wannabe professional director i'm like
0: perfect this is
1: beautiful
0: park and oberon anyway they're on they're on thin ice oh oh, oh yeah. yeah fairy anything supernatural i think merrick said this the other day anything supernatural and shakespeare is kind of a little bit gay the witches the witches you don't just go living with random free random women <laughs> they're definitely oh my god i've never seen something more sapphic in my life love it
1: um, um core witches
0: in, in... Macbeth, but make it Cottagecore. Make it (laughs)
1: Cottagecore. Oh dear.
0: Queerest characters. Any other characters we haven't really touched upon that could kind of come under the queer bracket? Petruchio. Petruchio, yes. But also the way that Max does Petruchio in the incredibly flamboyant... Like, if you didn't it's see. He's very much a bisexual yeah, man. If you didn't see our version of Taming, you won't understand the flamboyant pose that Max does, but it is one of my favourite things to replicate whenever. Yeah. If yeah. I have to play a toxic man ever in theatre, it's like suddenly I'm in the action pose of Petruchio. Yeah. I sometimes <laughs> catch myself doing it. Yeah, it's fun, like, isn't the, it? Like the, the limp hands. It's the, it's the strong elbows and the, the limp, limp wrists and the like claw hands
1: like spider-man hands
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah I, I see what you're saying i love max and it he was just, fantastic Is he is um, such a, i studio. loved that spin on petruchio oh I've, yeah it really worked it really worked for the adaptation as well yeah definitely 100
1: yeah. oh um king lear edmund lear yeah uh he is very much the scorned is it him He's not the son, he's
0: the bastard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what, Kate? You know what we've not mentioned at all once in your episode? What? Derek Jarman. We haven't talked about oh. The Tempest. That's Tempest. your whole that's dissertation. That's whole
1: dissertation.
0: Oh, dear. Yes,
1: I was waiting.
0: I was waiting for you to bring I, up Jarman.
1: I, do you know what? When I'm not writing that dissertation, I forget everything about it. Oh, dear. I'm just like, I'm not, I just block it out because of the pain. Um,
0: not that Derek Jarman's version of The Tempest is painful No, it's beautiful, it's a work of
1: art it is a work of art it's an avant-garde, Brechtian, queer um, adaptation Mm. of The Tempest and it is superb, it was 1979 Mm. um, and it's got, it's just fantastic Yeah. please go and watch it (laughs) I urge you all to do your dissertations on it I'm joking, please don't (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, The Tempest is... Well, you got non-binary characters. You got Ariel, and you've got uh, mm. not um. What's it? Caliban. Caliban's Caliban. not really.
0: Mm. Can be. Caliban gives me asexual energy. He's oh, just he's yeah. just a kind rock man who just wants to be accepted for yeah. who he is, and everyone treats him poorly.
1: In um, Jarman's one though, mm. he's not. He's um more of a villain. Yeah. In Jarman's, which is, which I found an interesting kind of yeah turn of like kind of characterization for caliban yeah he is more scheming and i think he's more i think he's
0: i think like a lot it's odd because i'd almost put caliban in the same areas like female characters it's the same with me and like shylock it's obviously Mm. a minority caliban is a minority character he is coded as a minority whether that's yes race ethnicity like because you can't really tell but it's like heavily racial oh very much yeah so it's kind of obviously it's like shylock it's original he's originally written in a way that he's supposed to be the villain but at the end of it you realize that hey caliban has basically been taken from his mother and been made to be this white man's slave yeah and it's horrific and I, I mean I can't watch The Tempest without being like, Caliban deserves the rage that he, Caliban has. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Um.
1: That's, that's a really important point. Yeah. The kind of racial issues within. Mm. I forgot queer character, Iago from Othello. Oh,
0: Iago, yeah.
1: Queer coded to the max! He's obsessed with Othello!
0: yeah he, oh a, so many villains that obs- so are obsessed edmund edmund yeah <laughs> uh iago. iago how did we forget Mercutio and benvolio we forgot romeo and Juliet. yeah romeo oh mm, in the, he's a bisexual in the same vein as lucentio from taming i know that in a slight taming we had lucentia I as a lesbian him. anyway but when i first read that <laughs> i burn i pine i perish, perish. line i was like Somewhat, some lesbian on Tinder said that to me at some point. Like, that's that's got to have happened. That's such a, like, sapphic line. It hurts. Mm. Going back to the subject of Groomia and gender in, yeah. well, our version of Taming, playing with gender and sexuality in Shakespeare plays is something that a lot of, like, dramaturgs and directors mm. do often, actually. It seems to be... Yeah. Something that becomes very very common. I mean, you have a lot more gender blind casting nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about it mm. in productions we've wanted to do, yeah, and uh, a lot. just ideas of concepts of many different shows. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is always that kind of you. You're able to mm. with Shakespeare mm. because it is so accessible to this queerness, mm. and this level like it's almost underlying queerness in all of his plays that you are able to swap genders
0: for Mm. i don't think there are many characters you can't swap genders for no i mean i mean it's going back to literally the very beginning of this podcast like it is because of that foundation being Mm. men playing every role it makes it so easy to flip it on its head have women playing every role having anyone playing any role and kind of having this almost obviously gender can enhance performance like a character's motives might change if you take it from male to female or if you take away gender altogether that completely then changes narratives also Mm. and i think it's a really interesting subject to play around with especially yeah within within different plays yeah i mean
1: i've always loved gender swapped versions of the comedies
0: yeah i think that
1: it because it just works so well yeah
0: gender swapping with the comedies is so well yeah um, one of those things where it just it works hand in hand because of how yeah. light-hearted like, a lot of the comedies are
1: yeah and even with some of the tragedies i mean um maxine peak manchester um every man version
0: of hamlet is yeah superb i mean the bernhard hamlet like women playing hamlet Mm. goes back all the way to the 19th century yeah like it's been something that's happened for so long that it's almost some critics think it's almost cliche at this point to have a woman playing hamlet but the agency that gives a woman on stage Mm. it's just unbridled because women have so much pain so much anger so Mm. much anguish and so much pain within them naturally that I think the tragedies does give them a voice to air it almost oh definitely mm.
1: and I think that's really important mm. I mean they've done female versions of
0: King Lear yeah and uh, they did super- all female all. Fe- I mean Prisons it's a comedy it's not it is a comedy but an all female version of Taming they did it at the RSC yes, a couple they of years did. ago uh,
1: they've done gender swap versions of the history plays I oh a woman as henry V. I think shakespeare has that accessibility mm. and that and versatility and versatility to make mm. those gender swapped kind of productions mm. work work because you know you
0: hardly have to do anything to change the yeah. gender and the motives just go with it yeah. like you don't in textually your gender swapping is just supported near enough mm. with any character you can go Oh well then this now makes sense yeah. why they did this even if it worked before you gender swap them it still yeah. works but sometimes it works better
1: well yeah and that's mm. um what i love about um plays like much ado mm. um you know if you gender swap both beatrice and benedict and beatrice becomes the male figure the male presenting character mm. actor uh, performs you have that untrust of men that mm. I think a lot of gay men have, yeah. especially of straight men,
0: mm.
1: have. And I think that's a really interesting... It adds another really interesting layer
0: mm.
1: onto sexuality and gender, mm. especially within a modern society. Oh,
0: definitely. No, I couldn't um, do more. The
1: same with um Henry V. If Henry's all old Hal making a return. Good old turn. Hal. Um, yeah. If... Or Richard the, uh, the Third, if they're played mm. by a woman, oh, completely yeah. changes the motive of mm. power and almost makes it a thing of sh- they've turned this way because of the lack of agency they've had. Yeah, it's interesting, Definitely. but it still works. I mean, you 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 wouldn't be able to change characters' genders so liberally in modern texts like I don't know Pinter, mm. like plays like betrayal uh, because it's very much centered around that very stagnant idea of gender and
0: Mm. two men and one woman yeah Mm. samuel beckett Mm. or Mm. um contemporary ideas about gender especially with like Mm. feminism becoming so obviously wonderfully prominent prominent in this day and age Mm. um you see a lot more binary writings about gender and i think shakespeare comes from a time where obviously people weren't like the idea of gender was so fixed Mm -hmm. and like obviously they were playing with gender you had men playing women and that was fine yeah but women had a place in society which women have kind of transcended meaning that these roles and characters which were written about women not for women they kind of have that ability to be transient, whereas yes. nowadays, gender is like, women does this, that is yeah. that is women, M- men men are like this. Yeah. Oh, they don't like each other, or oh, yeah. they're it's in love.
1: Non-binary in mm. a way. Yeah. Uh, not taking mm. away from anyone's uh, experience, experience or label. Yeah. Or label anyone can play any of these characters doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman Mm. or non-binary it's applicable it's It's applicable to anyone
0: it's it's the emotion underneath it's the emotion it's the motivation it's it's the psyche it's just a human as a person rather than just an
1: archetype. everything is stripped away and it's very human and i think Mm. That's what makes Shakespeare great, and that's what makes Shakespeare queer. Is that transient idea of gender and mm. that sexuality? Mm. Uh, even though it's important, and even though is applicable, it isn't mm-hmm. the most important thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's just another thing. That's another thing It's that another adds adds to layer, it,
1: yeah. which is which you don't see in yeah. many modern. Or contemporary he kind plays, of plays yeah. i mean you could say the same thing about Marlowe and edward ii
0: oh gosh yeah oh. that's oh kind gosh. of
1: you, yeah with all of
0: those uh with all of even those even Marlowe though like with edward ii it's so integral to have that m- like masculine love like you can yeah. have two women playing edward and gaveston and edward and spencer but still that It almost relies on that relationship between men and then you have Isabella, the scorned wife, who's just angry and wants revenge. I don't... Like, Marlowe is almost a very gendered playwright, whereas I think Shakespeare is a lot more fluid. Yeah, I see that. Mm.
1: I also think for some of Marlowe's plays, it's Mm. very similar to Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, But I think, as as you've said, Shakespeare is very fluid Mm. in most things
0: yeah and i mean as directors dramaturgs nowadays you you have so much liberty with shakespeare because Mm. i mean out of every playwright that's ever been shakespeare is the most performed and the most well known we know the stories we know the concepts and everyone wants to do something new everyone wants to remake the wheel yeah and i think that allows for directors and Turks to be more playful and take oh, yeah, yeah and take the written words and just run it's like poetry well i mean it is a lot of it, it is, poetry, is poetry um but it's like interpreting a poem it's like taking the lines you're given yeah. and just running with an idea that's what i love and that's what i love about shakespeare exactly me too i, I hardly ever talk about shakespeare and language and that being the reason i love it I and mean, the versatility mm. um but no it's such an integral part of Shakespeare and breaking this down is like a really good gives you a really good grasp on why Shakespeare works so well still
1: yeah and especially in regards to queerness Mm. you know there are lines within the plays that are applicable to both genders yeah um no matter who's saying them Mm. you have with I'm trying to think of a line you have with Hamlet, yeah. um, there are more things in heaven and earth ratio than in Gentiles of in your philosophies. Mm. It's very much, you know, anyone can play it and it's different if a woman says it to a man mm. or if a woman says it to another woman or a man says it to another man. But it still has that kind of mm. overarching broadness. Yeah. broadness. I
0: suppose what we can take from this is that The heteronormativity that we go into often when we approach a text is not necessarily as fixed as we suppose it is and sometimes these elements of queerness really do add to a text especially when you have a concept behind you that supports it and i think it's really interesting to see how throughout time elements of gender and sexuality have been presented and used to convey these narratives which at their core are just human
1: yeah definitely Mm. and i think for me anyway as a queer woman Mm. plays and art and tv and film Mm -hmm. but when queerness is there under art like underlying and Mm. it's you know present those stories are always for me anyway the most human Mm. and i think that's the same with shakespeare Mm. some of you might disagree but yeah this is coming from you know
0: I suppose it allows you to question (laughs) yourself, and it reaches out to a reader, you don't necessarily, a reader or an audience member, you don't necessarily have to be a queer person to resonate with Shakespeare, because I think Shakespeare resonates with everyone. There is a character you will find yourself drawn to in any Shakespeare play, you will be able to find one character. I mean... He's got quite a few characters, any, anyone that's worked as a dramaturg on any bid team knows how many <laughs> characters Shakespeare's got. But yeah, there there is always someone with a motivation or a conflict, internal or external, mm. that you will relate to. And I think that is why we just love Shakespeare. Very true. Okay. And I think thus naturally concludes this wonderful episode before Queer History Month. I'd like to say a wonderful thank you to Kate for being here and being my right-hand man as always. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it's been an absolute it's pleasure to talk queerness with you, my love. On a similar note, if you've been inspired to write a new adaptation potentially about queerness or any other aspect of Shakespeare you'd like to explore, do keep an eye out on our social medias because on the 13th of Feb we have submissions for our really exciting new opportunity, Fresh Folio where you get a chance to rewrite Shakespeare or perform Shakespeare in a different way or kind of just explore and play around with the ideas and concepts Shakespeare has originally laid out so do get involved with that and come back to our social medias to see when things are happening we'd love to see you and love to have you on the team thank you all for tuning into this episode of Bard Times I've been your host Lynn and in the words of the Bard I'd much rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swears he loves me.